Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America, a fraternal financial organization. He can help you set up you and your family's future, but you got to give him a call, 940-453-3490. Also sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle, so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren. And this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 192, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And we will do our best to dazzle and entertain you here on this version of the podcast, dropping a little later for some of you. You may be going, wow, you're right. I, I knew that. And others of you, what are you talking about? It was here when I got it. So <laughs> whatever works, we will get into that. I will explain all of that to you on a preview of a wild card playoff game for the Dallas Cowboys coming up Sunday afternoon. We've also got some fun stories in the block, but we do need to tell you about our buddy Hector Flores over there with Modern Woodmen of America. I will tell you this, Hector was put on this earth essentially to help people. And that's what he wants to do. That is one of the reasons why Modern Woodmen of America makes so much sense for what he wants to do, because it's a non-fee-based, it's a fraternal financial organization. It doesn't cost anything to meet with Hector so that he can help map out a path for you and your family's future. Dude, the thing about Hector, man, is Hector is a, he's like a, he's like a, check this out, man. He's like a coordinator for your, for your financial game plan. And what he does is he puts together a game plan. All you have to do is follow it, and you score financial touchdowns. How about that, man? <laughs> that's actually an interesting way of looking at it. And you know what? I'm not going to disagree with you because I think that's actually very true. There's a lot of truth to that on what you said and how he operates, which is really interesting. And we had an opportunity to have a conversation with Hector, which I thought was fantastic. And we got to learn a little bit about exactly what he does. So instead of us telling you, let's tell in his own words, listen to what Hector has to say. I do this because really it's about helping people. When I can sit down and some of my best stories are just getting people on a budget. People that, that don't have 10 bucks in their savings account to get them on a budget, to stick to it, and then six months down the road, then we can really start looking at saving for retirement. Like, those are some of my best stories. But I'm in this business to help people, and that's why I chose Modern Woodman, because, you know, they're non-fee-based, and we do all those other things out in the community. 
So there he is. That's Hector himself. That's why he does it. And he can help you set up that budget. Start saving today for your future. 940-453-3490. Hector Flores. He's a local guy. He listens to the podcast every time. He's a good dude. 940-453-3490. Give him a call. Also, of course, the lawyers at Greening Law, the green team. If you were like me, if you've been hurt in a car accident, if you've experienced malpractice from a physician or a hospital, maybe you were just injured on the premises of a business, that's where Greening Law can come in and help you. You may have a case, you may not, but if you don't know, you need to pick up the phone because the consultation is absolutely free. No, the free consultation is great, man, but it's what happens during that consultation. If Greening Law takes you on as a client, after you've told them your situation and what's going on, dude, you'll you'll be thrilled. And here's why, man. Matt can tell you. They answer questions that, number one, you don't even know are supposed to be asked. They give you solutions to problems. They take care of all the little stuff. And check this out. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Did you hear me there? They don't get paid unless you get paid. Who don't want a deal like that? That's exactly right. And the consultation is free. So give them a call today. 972-934-8900. They will be your legal competitor against the insurance companies. 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. Well, it's not quite technically Dallas, Texas, but in Arlington, Texas on Sunday afternoon, you're going to get a wild card playoff game between the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. But before we dive hardcore into that, so the reason why this podcast is dropping a little late, many of you are well aware Jacques is still in the Dallas area and I moved a few months ago to Birmingham, Alabama. Well, here in Alabama, I think I've talked about this before. There's a lot of, we're in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains. So there's a lot of what they call mountains here that I kind of just look at as just big ass hills. And I mean, big ass hills. So right, there's, right, right. A, there's a lot of undulations in the topography here where I live. It's kind of weird. I live at the top of a hill, but at the bottom of that portion of it, if that makes any sense. So what's happening is since these are technically considered mountains, and this is true, man, like once you get I'm maybe three, four inches into the topsoil here, you right. are trying to dig into solid rock. Really? It's insane. Like when I was trying to put up bird feeders in the backyard, I couldn't put up one of them because I couldn't get it deep enough in the ground. And I got a drill and everything trying to drill through so I could get it. It's, it's nuts. And so what happens here when they build homes, they have to blast like with dynamite or bombs or something. I don't know what it is, but whatever they use now, in my head, I'm thinking it must just be dynamite. I, I that's, right, right. that seems like 1800s type stuff, but so they are building a neighborhood next to ours up on top of the mountain, and they have been using, they've been blasting the mountain so that they can loosen it up, and then they go in there with these giant drills to get through to where they can clear it out to build foundation and stuff like that. Well, yesterday, apparently, and this is nuts because it was right before I got home, they blasted, and I got home, and the lady friend, she was saying, she goes, oh, yeah, you could hear the blast. Like, you can feel it sometimes. Right. And she goes, they blasted and the power flickered. And then they did another blast. And we kind of looked at each other as like, man, that's, that's kind of weird. <laughs> like it just got really quiet all of a sudden. And then we realized the power's out. And this is probably at about right around three o'clock in the afternoon. Right. And I'm like, oh my God. It's like, if that is legit and that blast took out the power, that's a serious problem. Because if the power went out because of that, that means they did something because it's not coming back on. 
Right, because they got to go find out what they did right. and fix what they did. So, and this is wild because she's in this group for her neighborhood on Facebook. It's kind of like next door, but it's a Facebook group. So all these people, and it actually comes in handy because people get on there and people that live at the top of the hill that could see what was going on. I was like, they knocked down a power line, like wires are everywhere and all this thing. I'm like, oh God, no. So apparently what happened is whenever they did their last blast yesterday afternoon, they took out a pole that fell over. And obviously when you do that, the wires get torn off and the whole thing like we had no power and so we had no power at all and I texted Jacques like hey because we normally record on Thursday afternoon so that's there in the middle of the night Friday you guys wake up and the podcast is here for you right I was like uh I don't have power and I have no idea when this thing's coming back on yep so then I relayed those uh those messages to to chill and uh, Ed Werder and we went back and forth for a couple hours and I was like dude I got this event for chill I gotta go to that we do every Thursday at LBs in Arlington, if you guys want to come out uh, with a former cowboy. Um, and shoot, man. Then I think I finally, we just, I finally just told them, like, dude, we'll probably have to do it Friday morning. So yeah. if you guys get up early, hit us up. If you don't, don't worry about it. And I guess by the time you guys get to the end of this podcast, you'll know if those guys are early risers <laughs> or late sleepers. Yeah, because we don't know. We, we just, it, it was, I woke up this morning and said, hey, Power came back on late uh, last okay. night. And, and okay, so, what, time, what time did you send me that text, Matt? Man, I sent you that text. It, it was before 6 a.m., I know that. And see, Matt knows that I'm one of the few people he could send a text to that early and perhaps might even get a response. Yeah, it was 5.46 a.m., and I just happened to wake up, and I was like, hey, if you want to try and knock this out this morning, the power came back on. Because I knew last night when the power came on that you were already asleep. I was like, there's no way. I was like, maybe we can <laughs> knock it out in the morning. Because it yes. didn't come back on until late. I mean, late last night. And then I sent Matt a power from the gym because I was flossing. Mm-hmm. You were ready for it. So here we are. That is why some of you, I've already had people, and I love this. I mean, every time, if, there, if we don't let you guys know ahead of time what's going on. <laughs> Where's it? Where's it? Where's it? Pretty much, you know, people are like, uh, like Matt goes, no more podcast? Where are you guys at? <laughs> and I was like, I just responded. I was like, hey, man, I, I didn't have power for most of the day yesterday, but we're recording it this morning and, and wanted to make sure we, we we're not going to not do a podcast. The day before, essentially, the Cowboys <laughs> playing the pot, like whatever it took, we were going to get a podcast out. Yeah, if I had to fly to Birmingham on my private jet this morning <laughs> and take a limo, uh, it was going to get done. Okay, I, mean, I, had made, I had made plans for that, but I didn't want to tell Matt because I didn't want to spend the money unless I absolutely had to. Well, that's fantastic. So next time, I'm just going to pretend that my power is out. And I'm like, oh, it must have come back on while you were on, on the air in your private jet. But I'm glad you're here in your limo. <laughs> hey, man, I don't like to brag. But the Cowboys, yes, they have a playoff game. I thought it was interesting. It was funny because Mike McCarthy, when they were talking to him about it, he was like, yeah, it's five years exactly since I was last in the playoffs. And, of course, he went with the Green Bay Packers. And then I don't know why. It doesn't seem like it has been this long. I thought the Cowboys were in the playoffs two years ago. It's been three years since the Cowboys were in the playoffs. Yeah, this is the third year. They missed it the last two. Right. So this is the third year. So, yeah, that makes sense. 20, what was it, 2018? Yeah, yeah. The last time they were in the playoffs was that divisional round loss when they lost in Los Angeles to the Rams. Yeah, where they got run over. Yeah, and then the, uh, the last two seasons, 8-8, eight and 6-10, eight, and ten, no playoffs, and here they are 12-5 and five with the 49ers. Right. And uh, it's, a, uh, it's a big opportunity for them, man. It's a, uh, you know, everybody spent so much time talking about it's a bad matchup for the Cowboys. I think that's a relative thing. I think it's, I think you can say of the teams that they could have played in the playoffs, it's probably the worst 
matchup for them because the thing San Francisco does the best doesn't fit up the best with what mm-hmm. the Cowboys do, which is rush the passer and, um, you know, uh, that's that's basically it. Block pass rushers because they yeah. got a really nice defensive line. They can cause some problems, uh, even especially in the interior where we all know the Cowboys are soft with Biotish and Connor Williams at center and left guard, res- respectively. Uh, but that being said, and I was on this, I do this show like I just said with uh, Chill every Thursday. And last night we had it's a live show, and last night we had uh, Cowboy former Cowboys cornerback Larry Brown. And we had Merton Hanks, former San Francisco uh, cornerback and safety. He was from Lake Islands. Uh, and they were talking about the game. And, dude, I mean, at one point I said, we all talk about it's a bad matchup for the Cowboys, but ain't, there's nobody in the NFC that looked, that sat down and said, oh, goody, we get to play the Cowboys this week. What a treat. <laughs> right. They're the, you know, that's the team we really wanted to play because the Cowboys probably have – tell me what you think, Matt. They probably have – either the most talented roster in the NFC from top to bottom or the second most talented roster in the NFC from top to bottom. And so if they bring their A game, which we haven't seen too often, yeah. against good teams, we've seen it against bad teams, but if they bring their A game and they play to their highest level of football, then it'll be a tough game, but they'll beat San Francisco by 7 to 10 points. If they bring their A game, and that's the you know that's a huge qualifier. Yeah, that, that's the truth. I mean, when they feel like showing up, they can roll out of bed and basically beat teams that aren't very good. And and, and no, we've they, seen they, them do that. Matter of fact, they destroy teams. Which I mean, it's I don't know if y'all realize how hard it is to beat teams fifty-one to twenty-six or you know fifty-six fourteen in right. the National Football League. That stuff does not happen on a regular basis. Forty-three to three. So when they have a bad team and they get you down and they start rolling. They do that thing. Their problem is they haven't played their best football against good teams. Um, here's why you should be excited, though. A lot of times I think they try to create hype, like, okay, we're ready. This is a big game. This is this, this is that, this is this, this is that. And they're trying to create that because it's not really that. You know, it's not like this is a must win. Well, you got five games left. So is it really a must win or are you trying to convince yourself that it's a must win? Even the Arizona game. Arizona had lost three in a row. It was actually, they were the more desperate team. Cowboys were trying to keep a seed. Cardinals was trying to win a division and stay in the playoffs. Uh, So my whole point of this is, Matt, they'll be as focused as they're going to ever be in this game. So you're going to get their best effort to give you that A game. And so I'm really intrigued to see what that produces. It is an interesting matchup, and when you look at this and you look at all the breakdowns and the different, like the metrics and all these types of things, it's interesting because what San Francisco has to do is run the football, and they run the football in some of the more creative ways that you will see anybody in the NFL try to run the football. They only pass on early downs 42% of the time, which is insane. I'm talking that is dead last in the NFL they run and they run and they run some more and they do it with two back concepts where they will put guys in the backfield. They will use a fullback. They'll put Debo Samuel in the backfield and he can either be a wide receiver who runs actually a route out of the backfield. And they do a lot of different things out of that type of setup and they block it very well. And so the Cowboys are going to have to stay. This is one of those things, honestly, where you have to discipline to trust what you're supposed to do for your gaps. And if you have your gap discipline and not necessarily 
because they're going to do a lot of motion and they're going to do a lot of things to try to confuse the defenders. Eye candy, baby. Right. And, and that's Kyle Shanahan is genius at that. And if you are not trusting what your gap discipline is supposed to be and what you're supposed to do on the play and you think, oh, they're doing this, it's a trick or whatever, and you let your eyes deceive you, San Francisco will have success running the football. And if they do that, that's how they hang around in this game. The key to me in this thing is if you can at least force Jimmy Garoppolo to have to throw it more than they're comfortable with, it's not like he sucks and he's actually an accurate passer, but he is also prone to turning the ball over. And if you can get a couple of takeaways in this, we all know what the Dallas defense is capable of doing. If they do that, I I, I think it's going to be really interesting. If we look at the box score on Sunday night and we look at Cowboys takeaways and it's zero, then that to me means San Francisco won the game. Yeah, I would, I would I would agree with that, but but the flip side of that is um, they're not going to give you a lot of opportunities to get turnovers because one they don't right. throw it a lot, and two they run it a lot, and so I think turnovers obviously is is one that you look at if it says zero. But I think there's two other numbers. It's it's probably like uh, one twenty or so for San Francisco, um, or basically can you hold them under their rushing average? And for the Cowboys, it's by hook or by crook, can you figure out how to get 100 yards rushing? Right. How can you do it? No idea, but because uh, we haven't, you know, they looked good last week. But um, can you run for 100 and create some sort of balance with your offense? Because if you can, then I think uh, they will be able to throw the ball against San Francisco with some play action, do some other things that really open it up, and they'll be able to, uh, to score points against a good defense. And the flip side of this with, with Dak, and this is interesting because John Owning, who had been on our podcast many times till his schedule changed, used to be with the Dallas Morning News doing film analysis. He now works for Pro Football Focus. Which is his dream. Yes, which John Owning is, is brilliant at this. And he will tell you that it, it's interesting because Dak apparently is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in diagnosing defenses in the pre-snap phase. But as he pointed out, I found the stat that he had – before the final week of the season, when they played Philadelphia's like backup team or whatever, when they disguise their post-snap, and this is what makes it interesting, and, and they're going to have to figure this out with all the film study they do, Dak was 38th out of 44 quarterbacks in yards per attempt when defenses rotated from two deep safeties pre-snap to one high safety after the ball was snapped. And that's what I think is really interesting is you diagnose this, you make your protections, you call your audibles, whatever, the ball is snapped, and then the defense, before you can adjust to it, they've completely adjusted what they're doing. Yep, that's a problem. Uh, but, 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 you know, I think the other thing about it is Dak said that recently teams have been playing him completely different than they've shown all year. Like, just right. – just so you get an idea, like if they've if if he's playing us, me and Matt have been playing two deep zone the entire year concepts. Well, we play we play Dak and we're playing cover three, and he's like, I spent the whole week studying every two deep zone concept you guys have used because that's what you've been doing ninety five percent of the year all season. Then we get here and now you're playing a defense that we ain't that I haven't seen all year because you haven't played it all year, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously that can be confusing and that can be a uh, I mean, it's been a hindrance to their offense in terms of consistency. 
And it's just a matter of whether uh, he'll be able to fix that uh, this weekend, bro. Yeah, because, look, reality of it is if they do that and they're able to adjust to some of that and identify because it's, this is not – the 49ers are not going to do something new. They know that the post-snap adjustments are going to come, that we're probably going to see movement with their safeties. And the Cowboys hopefully by now have found a way to attack that if they do snap it and they see, okay, they have adjusted their safeties, let's do some of these types of things. Well, if the Cowboys can pass protect – and Nick Bosa doesn't destroy them in that realm, this secondary is very susceptible. This is not a good secondary for San Francisco. And you would think the Cowboys with Lamb and Cooper, and even what Cedric Wilson has been able to do without Michael Gallup on the field, that if, if they realize that's what's happening, that they should be able to pick them apart. Well, here's the key to that, man. And this, this is a great test for, uh, for Kelly Moore, bro. It's can you do some throwing on early downs. You know what I mean? If you can throw the ball on early downs, where they traditionally run it, can you throw it on early downs? And if you can, I think then they can have some success. I think if they try and go into banging on first down, especially early, it's going to be hard hard sledding, man. It's going to be a tough deal. But if they can can move the ball through the air on on first and second down when they usually run it, then you can create some situations where San Francisco isn't sure whether you're running or passing on first and second down. And uh, then I think they can make some hay. Indeed. And how about this? The Cowboys were tied for fourth this season with 63 completions over 20 yards. San Francisco was the second worst team in the NFL at defending the deep ball. Yeah, there's opportunities right. there, but you got to get to them. And you got to get to them, by, I think, by attacking in situations where they don't expect you to attack. Um, and, you know, uh, I read something yesterday that said uh, Dak was one of the uh, lowest in terms of, uh, of uh, play-action passes, only 19% bottom third in the NFL this year in terms of attempting play-action passes. Well, if you can increase that and go against your tendency, you know, I think yeah. that's how you can create some big plays. I agree. I, I, I believe the Cowboys are going to win this football game. They're at home. I like the fact that they're at home. I like that they, look, I don't care if it was against the JV, whatever you want to call it. It was an NFL football game. They got some confidence. They got some momentum against Philadelphia. Dak looked really, really good. And and there are going to be some mistakes made. He's going to have a couple of bad throws on Sunday afternoon. He's not going to be perfect. The Cowboys, I would not be surprised if from time to time, Debo Samuel busts one and we all get frustrated as hell. There's a reason why Dallas is favored by three. And this is, Vegas is telling you they expect this to be one of the closest games of the weekend. I think it's going to be close, but I think the Cowboys offense is going to be able to find a way to do some things. The defense will make a takeaway or two, and I think the Cowboys advance in the playoffs with a 27-21 to win. Well, I predicted last night uh, that uh, on the show they would be 28-24 Dallas, and okay. they figured out a way to make it happen in the fourth quarter. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a good game. It's a stiff test. But, uh, I mean, dude, I don't really think there's like a bum in the NFC. Maybe Philadelphia. I don't have a lot of respect for them. But uh, I don't think there's any really like bad teams in the playoffs. So whoever you playing, you know, they they were going to present their own set of issues. Like even if you play Philly and I think they're the worst team, they're basically like Philadelphia in terms of all they want to do is run the ball so they protect Jalen Hurts, Mm -hmm. you know. So – uh, b- before we move on, I will tell you this. I did a quick look, um, and I think this is what me and Matt are talking about. Uh, when Jimmy G throws fewer than 30 times, 
San Francisco is six and two this year. You know, when he throws more than that, they are uh, three and five. And so to me, it's just that's what they want to do. And when he hits 40 times or 35 times, they're one and three. So that's really what it is. You got to control their running game enough to uh, to force them to have to throw. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they do, good things will happen for you more often than not. Yeah. I, I, and again, I do believe that this is going to be a Cowboys win, and, and we'll see what happens. It, it, most likely, if they win, you would expect they go to Tampa Bay next weekend for the divisional round of the playoffs. But who knows? Like our buddy Trey, Trey tweeted in, said, I fully expect the Eagles to beat the Buccaneers on Sunday. The Bucs are banged up and have not been playing very well lately. I think we run it on them and control the clock. And it would be the first time this year that the Eagles have beaten a team with the winning record. <laughs> Well, I told Trey, I said, well, you thought the Cowboys, you thought the Eagles backups were going to beat the Cowboys. He goes, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I was just like, yes, you did. Yeah, I mean, come on. It, it, I'm going to tell you this. If there is one game this weekend that I believe is going to be a blowout, it's Tampa Bay and Philadelphia. Like, I, th- I think uh, Tampa's going to win like 37 to 10. My only question, this is just my only question, is whether they had enough injuries on offense with their receivers that uh, it would create some problems for them scoring points. Okay, 27 to 10. Okay, fine. Is that better? I mean, seriously, here's who Philadelphia beat this season. Atlanta, Carolina, Detroit, Denver, New Orleans, the Jets, Washington twice, and the Giants. (laughs) I'm just saying, I I have zero faith that this Philadelphia team has can hold a flame to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Although, to be fair... They only lost 28 to 22 when they played them back in the middle of October. All right. Maybe, maybe that's uh maybe there's something maybe there. Yeah, maybe so. But they're doing the same thing in their game that San Francisco will try to do, which is if we can run the ball and shorten the game and limit possessions. Sure. Then, then you're saying there's a chance. We're saying there's a chance. And look, I, I'm not going to root for the Eagles, but if they can do it, it'd be fantastic. Cause if that happens, and Dallas wins, Dallas will host a divisional round playoff game next week. So go for it, Philly. That means if Philly wins, they would go on the road to play in Green Bay, and then Dallas would play the winner of the other game between the Cardinals and the Rams. They would have to come to Dallas. So we'll see how it plays out. But I'm excited, man. I'm trying not to get too excited. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And so I've just been trying to focus on this game I forget how excited I get for a Cowboys playoff game. And, and <laughs> we'll see what happens. And we're, we'll have a podcast immediately after the game on Sunday. And if they win, it's going to be stoked. I'm going to be ready for it. If they lose, it's, I'm going to be pissed and upset. And <laughs> I, I will not be happy. So we'll see how it goes. But one thing that always makes me happy is when I open up my mouth and I put wow. a little biltong in it. <laughs> Bruce biltong. I mean, that, that's what I'm telling you. Go to bruisebiltong.com, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. That's how you spell it. It's like beef jerky, but it's not. It's a traditional South African air-dried meat. I will tell you this. If you like beef jerky, you will absolutely love biltong. You go, well, how do you know? Because it's better. It's more savory. It's more tender. It has more flavor. There's zero sugar, no artificial ingredients. Bruisebiltong.com is where you go to get your biltong. It's awesome. I love it. I want to eat it right now. I'm surprised you're not. No, it's fantastic, man. I like beef jerky. I've, I've eaten it for years. Uh, Biltong's better. And here's what I mean. It's uh, it's really tender, man. It's succulent. I love the sliced biltong. Um, I don't know, bro. It's, it's fantastic. I like to have it in the afternoons. I like it also. Not only does it taste good, but, you know, if you like to work out, if you're trying to watch what you eat, 
30 grams of protein, no carbs, no sugar, no additives. Mm. Boom. It's it is. Top dead, bro. It's, it's fantastic. I'm telling you, if you haven't tried it yet, you are missing out. And the best part is you get to go to bruisebiltong.com. You can place your order. You can get the bigger bag, which you can share and maybe last you a little bit. Or you can get the snack bags like you were just talking about. Those are the two ounce bags, 240 calories and 30 grams of protein per bag. It, it's fantastic. You're going to love it. Use that promo code JAM15 at checkout. 15% off your order. BrewsBiltong.com. Make it happen. Also, of course, Blue Star Motor Group, Deb and her husband, Mike, they are awaiting you. Have you contacted them yet? Maybe, and I tell you this all the time, but this is true. I don't care if you've started the car buying process, if you're in the middle of it, or you think, well, I've got a good deal. I'm about to close it. If you have not given a call to Deb, at 817-881-4066. If you have not brought them in in your car buying or selling process, you're allowing yourself probably to get ripped off. Bro, you, you need to call Deb if for no other reason than Deb's the deal maker. She doesn't have a finance manager. She doesn't have a general manager she got to check with. Deb can make the deal happen by herself. And she's always going to give you the best deal because when the handshakes are done and the contracts have been signed, she wants you driving off feeling like it's been a win-win. Uh, so I tell everybody, give Blue Star Motor Group a call. Give Deb a call. Send her a text. Let her give you a deal that will have you smiling from ear to ear. Exactly. 817-881-4066. Online at bluestarmotorgroup.com. And keep in mind, if you were looking to sell your car or you, uh, sometimes we know how this works. Maybe you had something happen and you've got to sell a vehicle or a relative and you need to sell their vehicle. I'm telling you right now, Blue Star Motor Group will buy it from you. They will come to you. They will take your vehicle and they will give you cash on site for your car. Make it happen. Bluestarmotorgroup.com. Shoot her a text. Give her a call. 817 817- 881-4066. So we got to take this trip around the block. And I've got a couple of things. One of these, you're just, you're going to lose your mind. <laughs> so I'm going to hold on to that one. Oh, okay. <clears throat> but we're going to start with this one because it affects not just the Dallas beer community, but the beer community in the country. Some of you might have seen this, but if not, many people may not be aware of this. So Deep Ellum Brewing Company, which is one of the OGs of the Dallas beer scene, they yeah. sold out a few years ago, and they actually sold, the founder, John Reardon, sold a majority stake of that business in 2016 to a group of breweries out of Chicago. In 2018, they sold the rest of it to a company called Canarchy, who had a portfolio that includes Oscar Blues out of Colorado, Cigar City out of Florida, Perrin out of Michigan and Squatters and Wasatch, both uh, out of Utah. And so they added Deep Ellum to that portfolio. And I always thought it was interesting. Deep Ellum has really fallen off. And in the local Dallas beer community, nobody considers, at least in the, in the craft beer world, nobody really considers it local anymore. And you can just, it's totally different. They got rid. I used to know probably five or six people that worked at Deep Ellum. And when this happened a couple of years ago, they basically blew everybody out and brought in their own people. And it just completely changed the vibe. They really went for more of a mass production, which is fine. I mean, breweries, hey, you want to make millions of dollars, knock yourself out. Well, I bring this up because yesterday it was announced that Monster Beverage Corporation, the energy drinks, Monster Energy Drinks that everybody's very familiar with. Yes, sir. They just acquired Canarchy. So Monster, the energy drink, now owns Deep Ellum Brewing in Dallas. 
How about that? It was a $330 million all-cash deal to acquire Canarchy Collective. So now they own all those, all those brands. They own them. And it's Monster's first foray into the alcoholic beverage space. Dude, that's a big number, $330 million. Yeah, that is, especially for all those brands. And, you know, Deep Ellum's been extraordinarily successful. They've been around. This is They just had their 10-year anniversary last year, so they're going into their 11th year. And they are one of the most lucrative craft breweries in the entire state of Texas. And you can get them. Ever since Canarchy acquired them, that really upped the profile. And you can get them all over the place now. I mean, you can get them all over the country in a lot of places where Canarchy has decided to up their distribution. What's their signature beer? Dallas Blonde, which I think they changed the name to Deep Ellum Blonde now if it's not in the Dallas area. Oh, okay. Hmm. Which makes sense. Right. It's, it's just an easy-drinking blonde ale. It's all right. I used to really enjoy their IPA, but, again, it, it's just not what it used to be. Not, nobody ever is. Whenever you start small and you're really local, and then you jump it up and you're trying to brew in all these massive tanks, it just... And part of it is mental, sure. There, there's going to be a difference between I am tasting this nectar, which is extraordinarily rare, versus, well, I can get it anytime I want. Right. I mean, let's be honest. It's probably why strip clubs exist. <laughs> you know, you, you've got boobs at home all the time, and then you're like, well, but these, like, what's the appeal of that? I don't know. I never, those are new. <laughs> I haven't seen those before. Right. I'm just saying. I mean, why else are they around? I don't know. That's one way to look at it. I guess. But, I mean, to be serious, I, I've always kind of seen craft beer that way. One of my favorite beers that I love is from a brewery out of Louisiana called Parish, and they brew Ghost in the Machine, which is a phenomenal hazy double I, IPA. It's, it's incredible. I love it. Well, ever since I moved to Alabama, it's on tap everywhere here. It, you can get it, I mean, at every store. It's in Dallas. They don't distribute to Dallas. So it's very rare to come across it. And now that I can drink it all the time, like I had it last night and the lady friend, she was like, oh, how, how is it? I was like, I mean, I, I have it like all the time now. So it's the same. It tastes, it's still very, very good, but it's the mental part of it, knowing that it's not this rare treat. It's just different. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it, man. I get it. You liked it every now and then when it was rare. Right. Now it's kind of common. It's like, eh, you know. It's still fantastic, but I don't feel right. like everywhere I go, I'm like, oh, my God, they have Ghost on tap. I have to have it. No, I'm like, well, I'll get it next time I come in. I'll try something else. It's kind of <laughs> exactly. like that type of thing. I don't know. That's what it and is. I get it. And I get it. So the other story I have for you here. <laughs> Boy, I hate when you get the, the chuckle before the story. Let me just read the headline to you, all right? And then we'll dive into this. And this is going to be fantastic. I'm just reading the headline. Man claims his penis shrank 1.5 inches. COVID dick is real, says doctors. <laughs> there you go. I knew it. I knew it. I'm telling you, man. So apparently, this is an article in the New York Post. This is a real thing. A man claims that his, his unit has shrunk after contracting COVID and that he says, again, he lost an inch and a half off his dong because of this. He says, I'm a heterosexual man in my 30s. In July of last year, I contracted COVID. I was very sick. When I got out of the hospital, I had some erectile dysfunction issues and realized I had lost some size on my man. 
<laughs> and apparently they're saying this is legit. Like this can happen. So you can get COVID and your dick can shrink. Apparently. An inch and a half. Well, if the average American dick is how long? I shouldn't say it like that. The average American penis, Matt. You could you could that? say wiener. I mean, you can say something, you know, less like Sa- sausage. Boom. Whatever. <laughs> well, on average, and, and a lot of people are always blown away by this, but you have to realize that on average, it's about five and a half. Oh, I'm feeling better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, well, this is true. Got a, if you've got a five and a half inch wiener and you lose an inch and a half, bro, that's like 20%. Yeah, because then you might be struggling with what is known as micropenis. You know, I had a friend of well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. Say I'm just saying, uh-huh. and, and, and it, yes, yeah, it, it's the micropenis is something that would be extraordinarily difficult to live with. Well, I had a friend of mine, man, and she told me this story about uh, she, was, uh, she was in the talking stage with this guy. They'd been out two or three times. And uh, they were sitting at his house, having drinks, watching TV or whatever. And he said, hey, what do you think about this? And she turned around and he had thrown his, his member on the couch. And she looked at it and she was like, oh, well, that's interesting. <laughs> and that's because it turned out like he had a micro penis. God. <laughs> and so he thought it was he thought it was this big, you know, it would be this big deal. And actually it was kind of a little deal. Oh my God. And, um, and she was telling me this story, man. She's like, I really liked him and, and we could hang out, but I could never take him seriously again after that because he You're like, what is that? A thumb? What are you doing? Yeah, he had such a tiny, <laughs> tiny wiener, even though he's very proud of it. Why would you? I mean, this is so nuts. I mean, that would be, I don't know, man. I'm not going to look. My mom listens to this. My lady I, friend's mom listens, which is probably even worse for this conversation. But <laughs> Well, let's just rest assured. I have, I have never pulled my friend out without someone, in court, <laughs> without someone asking to see. Dude, I would I just. Yeah, I could never. I mean, that's just so over the top to me. Like, what are you doing? And his name was Tim. And oh so no! She used to oh call, my God! Not so, Tim. No. Nah, so when she used to tell the story, refer to him, she called him Tiny Tim. Oh my God! Stop! <laughs> I swear to you, bro. <laughs> Come on. You know, you know, cause you're my whole girl. So we be oh like, "Yo, God. what's up with you?" Oh no, no, I was hanging out with Tiny Tim today for a little while. Oh my like, God! Are you serious, bro? Did he know that? No, he didn't know she called him Tiny Tim. He would never do that. God, surely somebody at one point was like, "Look, dude, you got to stop doing this because it's well, not I mean, impressive." You know, I don't know if he did it to everybody. If he just did it to everybody, I don't you know, know, man. But this I think is... he had a normal. I think he had. A, I think it was funny to her because I think he had like a normal size shoe or something. It's not like he had a size six shoe and then he whipped it out. God. Okay. So, <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Well, so this story, like for real, there, there are multiple people on here. So apparently that there's a doctor in this article that says there's a sig. Not only does COVID cause respiratory symptoms, there's also a pretty significant vascular issue that occurs with guys. And they have studies now on this that you can suffer from erectile dysfunction, essentially, after contracting COVID. And they say, wow. look, when guys get ED, they get a lack of getting an erection for a while. And when that happens, they usually do get shrinkage. And another doctor, a urologist, backs it up by saying, yes, it's true, COVID, it, COVID-D is a real thing. Well, 
For all you people who don't want to wear a mask and take the shots and the boosters. Dude. This may be one reason to do it. This should have been the campaign from the beginning. Oh, no doubt. Are you kidding me? If they put this on television, every <laughs> dude on the planet will immediately go out and get vaccinated and boosted. <laughs> I'm serious. Dude, no joke, bro. And they, and they no say joke. there's two different or three different doctors that are quoted in this article. And again, they say it's basically they think that the main reason is something they called endothelial dysfunction. Basically, the cells that line your blood vessels. They're really right. important for the function of many different organs. And because getting, getting a, a bigger guy is a blood flow event, so when those blood vessels are affected, you can get erectile dysfunction. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's about getting blood flow to the proper area. I mean, yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's why you want your heart to be working good, so everything's pumping. And Exactly, yeah, you got to work out, take care of yourself. Right. I mean, you know. dude. That's why I was at the gym at five o'clock this morning. Exactly. And, and that's why, you know what? I'm going out and I'm going to get boosted in both arms this afternoon. Dude, I just thought about it. I'm going to get boosted. I don't want my, I don't, I don't want my manhood shrinking into single digits. Sir, sir, you just need one. Put the other one in the other arm. Do it now. Just making sure you got to cover all your bases out there with this type of thing. See, these are the types of things on the podcast that, you, look, people talk about this all the time. Jacques and I just do it where thousands of people listen to it. You know? <laughs> I mean, once, once you've been in double digits, who wants to go back to singles? Yeah, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about that, but that is one that it, I, I was like, man, when I saw that article, I was like, we have got to bring this up. <laughs> that would be the all-time bid on the radio. It would be. Which is... Uh, we're pecker measuring today. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Nobody. They, I mean, you, I guess you could do it on this. You can do it on the podcast, on Celestial Radio. You can never get away with that. Yeah, I'm trying to see. Yeah, you're, you're right. You'd have to do XM Radio. Yeah, that's the, the type of thing that, like, Stern's probably done that at some point in his career. <laughs> yeah, because he's the only one who trumpets having a small one. <laughs> <laughs> he does. That's true. He does. He talks about it all the time, which is wild. All right, we, yeah. we have to have just like, we got to throw out something else. I'm just trying to find anything else that I can throw out as a story before we move on because we can't just leave you hanging with that story. Well, I don't know. That was pretty good. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just throw this out. If you happen to ever have been a fan, and I know that you, you don't like the, I don't even know if you've ever seen this show, but Friends, the TV show. I've seen Friends a handful of times. The Whippersnapper Bar, which is on Henderson Avenue in Dallas, is doing, starting next week, is doing a Friends makeover and will have a Friends-themed bar. Really? So you can sit in replicas of the recliners from Joey and Chandler's apartment, play a game of foosball, modeled after the New York City apartment. Parts of the bar will look like Central Perk with the couch and the setup and all that. And so if you are a Friends fan then check it out. It'll be there. And this, I believe this is the same bar that is kind of done. Like they did a Simpsons theme. They did a office theme type bar. And so now you have this and you can enjoy going in there and feeling like you're in friends, I guess. Oh, so I guess this is their deal. This is what they do. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a thing that they go around and you walk in. I've never been to one like this, but from what I understand, like it's very overpriced. And unless you are a hardcore fan of these types of shows, you may walk in there and be like, what the hell? Right, right, right. But if you're a hardcore no. fan. 
Well, I mean, there's a reason why those people on Friends were making, you know, $20 million an episode or whatever they were. So they've got a hardcore, uh, they've got a hardcore base. Yeah. They're just of a certain age these days, probably uh, my age or uh, probably between yours and mine because I'm about 10 or 12 years older than you. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a Friends person. I watched, I've seen every single episode of Friends. Oh, I didn't know you were. I didn't know you got down like that. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, at the time that it was on, I really thought it was fun. I mean, I, I, I thought it was cleverly written and I enjoyed the comedy of it. And then probably two years ago at the height of the pandemic, the lady and I, we just decided for what, like, we just started at the beginning and watched them all in order. And we watched the entire, I think there was like nine seasons and we watched every single one of those. I mean, hell, we all remember what it was like when everything was shut down and you couldn't go anywhere. Right. I mean, we, we, we went through a lot of television shows. No, there were 10 seasons. Oh, my God. So 236 episodes, and we watched every single one of them. Wow. That's impressive. But let's keep in mind it was a television sitcom, so the episodes are like 22 minutes long. Yeah. So yeah. you could knock out three episodes in an hour. Well, yeah, I forgot. You ain't watching commercials, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you don't have to worry about that. So 22, 23 minutes an episode, and, you know, by the time you get through the recap and all that type of thing, you're really probably 20 minutes an episode. So, yeah, you're doing three an hour. That's what's not too – like, I've thought about going back because I've seen it, and I've seen bits and pieces of it, but Cheers is one of those sitcoms that I'd be curious to go back and watch that show from beginning to end. Even though that, I mean, that show was in the 80s and has been off for years, but that's one of those, because of that type of theme, where you right, can right. do like three episodes an hour, that you could plow through Cheers pretty quickly. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think they still work with the laugh track and with everything? I don't know. I mean, Friends did, and I didn't mind that, but the laugh track is something now that you're just, I'm just <laughs> like, really? Man, there's 275 episodes of Cheers. That's a lot. That's a lot of moving pieces right there, bro. Yeah, and then see, like, part of the problem is with all the shows that are out now, it's hard to go back sometimes unless you hit a, dull, a dead spot, like, in the summer or something like that. But right. we're, we're about to wrap up the, the last episode of Season 5 of Billions. We'll watch that probably this weekend. And then Season 6, the final season of Billions, comes out next week. And so we're all caught up and ready for that. Ozark comes out in, like, nine days or whatever it is, so... Dude, yeah, no, it's a lot of good TV. I've been, I've been pretty busy, so I haven't been able to catch up. Man. But, uh, dude, it's on my list. A lot you know? of good TV. Hell yeah. A lot of good TV. Much like your experience at Freeway Tire Shop will be really good. If you've got a vehicle, which many and most people do, or if you're like Jacques and you've got like 19, at some point they need an oil change. some point you need new tires. You might even need a little bit more extensive work. That's why you need to get your vehicle over to Freeway Tire Shop. If you are in the DFW area, I don't care if you live close to Dallas or not, it's just north of downtown Dallas. It is worth it because the experience, the trust, and the level of customer service that JR and his guys at Freeway Tire Shop will give you, it will blow away any experience you've ever had with the mechanic. Nah, man. That's why, uh, that's why JR is the best. I've, I got to tell you, I've never felt like this about a mechanic, man. The customer service is the best you'll ever get. No, literally, you won't find better. You can find something that's just as good, but you won't find any better customer service. And then part of that is, man, is, is the trust that you get from, from taking your car to freeway tire and dealing with JR, and it's the trust that they're going to diagnose the issue properly, bro. And then it's the trust that they're going to use quality parts because everybody doesn't. Then it's the trust, and this is the big one, man. 
can you just give me a fair price, man? Can you not try to gouge me because I don't really know what's wrong with my car? And then you trust him to stand behind his work. Dude, you got a mechanic who can do all four of those? Bless yourself because you are blessed. Uh, JR does it. That's why I take all my cars to him. Um, I almost took one yesterday, <laughs> but it turned out I didn't need to. But I called him. He was like, I'll come get you because uh, my car had stopped on the road. Oh, wow. And uh, it was it was a weird story. It stopped on the road. And uh, I finally got somebody to help me jump it. And as soon as I put, the, as soon as I connected the jumper cables, I saw the the battery terminal wiggle. And I go, I wonder if this thing was just loose and it mm. popped up. I pushed it down. I looked in the car, turned that thing on, and started right up. I said, I'll be damned. I just lost <laughs> it. two hours for something this simple. But you know, but I called Jr. And he's like, I'll come get you. And then I called him back and said, I don't need to tow just yet. But dude, they were on it within you know 10 minutes that's awesome that's fantastic that, that again that's what you can expect with freeway tire shop request a quote schedule your appointment you can find them online at freewaytireshop.com also of course the cowboys got their playoff game this weekend there's going to be playoff games coming up for the next few weeks leading up to the big game which is about one month away now and if you are planning to have some watching parties you need to incorporate Smokey John's barbecue into that. Yes, they're still doing the jam session bowl. You can still go and experience it. It's not on the menu. It's the secret menu item, the jam session bowl. But they are also doing a couple of different things here. They've got their first down pack and their touchdown pack. The first down pack is three pounds of wings, a half gallon of brisket queso, and a half gallon of potato salad or baked beans. It's 105 bucks for that package. You can go and pick it up and serve your friends while you're having a game watching party or... This is the one to go for. For $220, you get all this. Three pounds of wings, half gallon of brisket queso, two pounds of chopped brisket, two pounds of ribs, and a half gallon of potato salad and beans. That can all be yours. And if you were a Jam Session listener, when you order this, you let them know. You get a complimentary gallon of fresh brewed sweet tea or homemade lemonade. Dude, I feel like ordering it just for me. And just eating off of it for about a month. Yeah. Put it in the fridge and just eat off of it for about a month. I'm telling you, man. So, again, every I know most of you at some point are having people over to watch these games. Plan ahead. Make sure that you plan ahead and you can pick it up ready to eat or cold where you can heat it, heat it up, obviously, and then serve it the next day. Smokey John's Barbecue, they've got you taken care of. You can check them out at Smokey johns.com to place your order you can give them a phone call or just simply swing by the store and order that jam session bowl because they're still doing that but it's it's fantastic you guys are going to love it if you haven't had a chance to try that yet wild card weekend my friend it is here it is upon us we have six games this weekend there's two on saturday there's three on sunday and then of course the first ever monday night wild card playoff game all this weekend as the only two teams that are sitting idly by and have already made it in, Green Bay in the NFC and right. Tennessee in the AFC. Correct. But when we look at Wild Card Weekend and we get this thing started, it's funny because I was looking at this the other day and I was like, man, this is going to be interesting because on paper I feel really good about all the home teams, but there's no way in hell all the home teams are going to win. They're like, nope. Surely not. Now, your first one is coming up on Saturday afternoon. It's a 3.30 kick. The five-seed Las Vegas on the road against Joe Burrow and those Cincinnati Bengals. 
And this is one where you sit there and you say, okay, it's five versus four. But I just feel like, I mean, Cincinnati hasn't been in the playoffs, I think, since like 2015 or 16. Joe Burrow in that offense with Jamar Chase and and Joe Mixon when he's healthy, I just have a hard time believing the Raiders can go in there and get that done. Now I'm with you on that, bro. I think, um, and here's what I think. I think Cincinnati's kind of a sleeper team Mm -hmm. because uh, I love Joe Burrow right now. That dude's playing with the same swag that he played with at LSU his senior, his last year at LSU. It just transferred to college, I mean to the NFL, didn't miss a drop. Uh, Jamar Chase has been a beast. And um, if they get past, like I think, I think this game will be their most difficult in terms of dealing with the anxiety and dealing with the pressure of the playoffs and the experience and all that. I think this will be their toughest one for Cincinnati. I think if they get through this one, dog, they could present some real problems because when you got – when you got a guy like Burrow as your quarterback who's got that swag to him, he don't give a damn about going on the road or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the first game is the hardest. I think they could start slow, but I think they'll win it. And um, if they win it impressively, you know, a couple touchdowns to kind of blow them out, they could, be, they, they could do something special in Cincinnati because that three-pronged receiver attack they got is, whew, it's good. Yeah, and, and again, based on how this plays out and who wins, if all the top seeds win, Cincinnati would go on the road to play Tennessee, and Tennessee is not exactly a difficult place to play. Now, if another seed below them wins, then Cincinnati would be going to Kansas City. That's a little bit different the way that you yeah, look at that, at least to me. No, that's, the, that's a, lot more diff- a lot more difficult, I think, to go play the Chiefs uh, than Tennessee just because of their offensive firepower. Right. But I think the Bengals can – I mean, they just beat the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they can match up with the firepower. It's, um, you know, it's uh, – I'm, 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 Bengals I'm real curious about. And uh, I've been following them for a minute. And to me, it's just another example of when you get that guy, this is what he can do for you. No doubt, yeah. And, and keep this in mind, if they win – if they win their home playoff game, that will be the first time Cincinnati has won a playoff game since 1990. Yeah, and he's, you know, he he becomes the instant hero because yeah. he took you where you haven't been able to go. I mean, even if they lose in the divisional playoff rounds, the fact that they would experience a playoff win, again, they have not won, and they've been in the playoffs a bunch of times, and that was a whole thing when Marvin Lewis was there, remember, because he was 0-7, I believe it was, as the head coach in the playoffs, and they have, I mean, that it's wild to think they haven't won a playoff game since 1990. And if they win two, they haven't played in the AFC championship game since 1988, which was, of course, the last time they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they have one of those cowboy leg drops. Yes. And, and I will tell you this. I don't know if it's this year. At some point, I do believe Joe Burrow is going to take Cincinnati there. That dude yeah. is a hardcore killer assassin of a quarterback. The other game on Saturday is the night game also in the AFC. It's New England on the road as the sixth seed against the Buffalo Bills. This is the one where I feel like the road team's got a great chance. We already saw New England beat Buffalo in Buffalo earlier this season. That was the game where Mac Jones threw like three passes and it was windy as hell. They say it's not going to be that windy, but they are expecting sub-zero type temperatures. And I don't know what it is, but Bill Belichick in the playoff and maybe one game, but then I look at it and I go, you got a rookie going up against a dude like Josh Allen. And I thought I had picked Buffalo to go to the Super Bowl this year. Right. But, man, if there's going to be a road team that wins, I feel like this is where it happens. Well, they, they got a possibility. But I think the uh, I don't think the Bills 
You know, my dad's a season ticket holder for the Bills. Uh, I need to ask him if he's going to the game. And the only reason I need to ask is uh, is uh, it's because of the temperature. And uh, even though he doesn't like me talking about his age, and he's in great shape and he works out two or three times a week, he's still 78. So you don't need to get no colds and stuff uh, if you can avoid it. So I'm interested to see if he's going to the game. But, um, you know, they, the – the Bills don't fit the Pats anymore, man. They've beaten them enough recently. Chase that they don't wide fit. open. Down. And the Patriots have won so many games over the years. Like, oh, my God, it's the Patriots. What do we do? And Buffalo doesn't have any of that. Um, they beat them pretty pretty well in New England a couple of weeks ago. I mean, the score might have been a little closer, but Buffalo yeah. controlled the game. And I expect them at the crib to control the game and win it. And Josh Allen's a really good quarterback, man. And uh, he's a playmaker. And I think he'll just make more plays at a certain point than um, than Mac Jones. Yeah, and see again, that's that's how I feel as well. And if that's the case, and both the home teams on Saturday would advance, that takes us to Sunday, where the early game at noon is the Eagles on the road at Tampa Bay. I don't know anybody outside of Trey Thomas that believes Philadelphia is going to win this football game. I, I like I said earlier. Yeah, the Buccaneers have lost some things offensively, and they don't have the health that you would probably want at this point. But it's still Tom Brady. They're at home. I just don't think Philadelphia is that that good. They're not. But, you know, they have um, – I think the hard part for them is they're not going to be able to uh, – I don't know if they can keep up with the Bucks' offense in this round of the playoffs. Um, Tom Brady's going to do his thing. Gronk, Mike Evans, they're going to do their thing. And, you know, Philadelphia's got this running attack. Jalen Hurts is not a, uh, a big-time passer. I think it's just hard for them to keep up. They make, the only way they can do it is get some turnovers. And by their ability to run the ball with this two-pronged attack that they've been using for a while, maybe they can shorten the possessions and uh, make it a fourth-quarter game and steal one. But I say make it a fourth-quarter game, and you're, you're dealing with the best fourth-quarter quarterback of all time. Yeah, it is the NFL playoffs. Anything can happen, but this would be my stunner of the weekend. I would be stunned if Philadelphia beats Tampa Bay. I expect Tampa wins this, and I and I I don't I think it'll be by at least two scores. Then we move on. We already gave our pick: the 49ers and the Cowboys. Of course, that middle game on Sunday afternoon, the three thirty kick, the night game Sunday night football this week. The Pittsburgh Steelers on the road at Arrowhead against the Kansas City Chiefs, and again, it's the seven and the two. You know, Big Ben, he, he kind of came out and he was being facetious. But there was a lot of truth in what he said. He had a quote basically like, we don't have a chance and nobody believes in us and, and we're not supposed to win this game. We don't have anything to lose. And he's right, they don't. Nobody expects Pittsburgh to win. Ben Roethlisberger, I expect this will be the last game we see him as an NFL quarterback. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, he's he's not even good anymore. He's... He's probably below average. It's amazing how father time works, man. But we see it all the time. We see it. That's why he's undefeated. It's true. And, and, and look, reality of it is we already know. If, if you can get pressure on Pat Mahomes, if you can knock him around and make life uncomfortable, then you can keep yourself in the game. But I, I just don't think that the Steelers have nearly enough to hang with the Chiefs being an arrowhead. It would not surprise me at all if the Chiefs go to a third consecutive Super Bowl. I expect that they win this game and they advance. And that brings us to Monday night. And the Monday night game is the five and the four in the NFC. Arizona on the road against the Los Angeles Rams. A Rams team that is coming off an embarrassing loss when they were up and should have won easily 
over San Francisco last week and ends up losing in overtime. And an Arizona Cardinals team that did the, t- the typical Cliff Kingsbury head coach where start strong, everybody thinks you're really good, and then drop off a cliff. They finished the season, Arizona did, one and four. <laughs> yeah, their only victory over your Dallas Cowboys. So uh, it, it's been weird. So they lost to Arizona, the Rams did, at home, 37-20 to 20 the first time they played. The second time on the road, the Rams beat the Cardinals 30-23, to 23, and that was the more recent one about a month ago there in the second week of December. Dude, this is going to be a great game, I think. I don't have any idea who to pick. <laughs> I, know, I don't either. See, my thing has been with this. I re- like the other five games we've discussed, I'm picking the home team. So I'm like, well, I think I guess I'm just going to go with Arizona because it's, I do think one of these road teams is going to beat one of these home teams. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it's not, as we like to say, it's not going chalk this weekend. Right. Um, somebody's getting undefeated. That's why a lot of people think, you know, Dallas will be a team that gets, uh, that gets taken down uh, by San Francisco just because of the matchup. Sure. Um, you know, this is pretty much a pick 'em game. Um, you know what, man? I'm going to go with the Cardinals, and here's why. I'm going with the Cardinals because I think Kyler Murray will make fewer mistakes than Matt Stafford. Okay. I See, and I can see that, but then you look at it and you go, man, if that happens, that trade of Goff for Stafford, I mean, this is supposed to be the fit. This is supposed to be they brought these pieces in, we make a run, we get back to the Super Bowl. I, I just don't see that happening. Kyler Murray does some magic and steals one on the road, and then if that were the case it would set up Arizona having to go to Green Bay next weekend. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, who are used to the warmth of Arizona, playing in the frigid tundra, I think they would get smoked by Green Bay at Lambeau. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. And again, if the Cowboys and the Buccaneers win, then it doesn't matter what else happens. The Dallas would go on the road to Tampa Bay in the divisional round. Oh, yeah. But man, Um, if if it plays out that way, you would get that game you get Arizona, Green Bay, and then if if it goes chalk on the other side in the AFC, Buffalo would go on the road to Kansas City and Cincinnati on the road at Tennessee, and it would not surprise anybody if it ended up being Cincinnati and Buffalo for the AFC championship game. Dude, no, that would, that would be epic. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to deal with Buffalo and their weather yeah. at that time of the year. Uh, psychologically, even if you're in Cincinnati, Buffalo's, a, Buffalo's another universe. Um, and so I think it. Uh, I think the Bills got a great chance to get to the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs. I mean, I think the, I think it's all fun, man, because there's no dominant team. Um, somebody's going to make a run. I th- I like the Bengals to try to make a run, but uh, I can't wait. It's uh, it's going to be a blast. It is going to be a blast. And again, divisional round weekend is the one that everybody looks forward to. Because by then, you've got most of these teams are really good at that point. They've already won a playoff game. Wild card weekend, we know how this goes. A couple of these games are going to be extraordinarily lopsided. Right. And like I already said, I expect one of them will be Philadelphia and Tampa Bay will be one of the more lopsided games this weekend. Honestly, ever since they went to seven, these seven seeds are teams that aren't very good. I mean, they're barely 500 in a lot of cases. In some cases, and, and really with both Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, I don't think anybody would be surprised if both of those games are blowouts. No, I mean, it's not going chalk and every game ain't going to be close. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and I mean, again, keep in mind that until very recently, I guess last year, if you got the two seed, you got to buy. I mean, th- th- these two seeds are really good teams. Yeah, and so, no. I mean, you know, think about your Dallas Cowboys. 
Uh, they were on the verge of being the two seed. Yeah. They were going to have t- 13 wins if they did it, you know what I mean? Right. By beating the, by beating the Cardinals. Uh, but they didn't get it done, and so that's why that's why they're three. But, yeah, typically the top two teams are real deal, bro. Uh, and playoffs are wide open, man. This is, uh, this is fascinating to me. It's a lot of great matchups, a lot of great teams. I'm I'm ready. Actually, I take it back. It's not a lot of great teams. A lot of good teams. It can. I'm not sure there is. I'm not sure there is a great team. Yeah, I don't by, think there is either. But by man, definition of great, I, I really feel like pissed off Aaron Rodgers, who's playing at, at an elite level, like we all know, all year long, at home. And again, you know, maybe Dan Marino only ever got there once. Drew Brees only ever got there once. Maybe Aaron Rodgers just somehow only ever plays in one Super Bowl. But that dude is one in five in his career in NFC Championship games. And he's all he's got to do is win one playoff game to get to the NFC title game again. And, and I, I, it just feels like this is the year for Green Bay to finally get back over that hump. I wouldn't bet against them. I mean, they're going to be hard to beat. Great. Yeah, but they they're gonna be hard to beat. But if you go back and look at it, they've lost a lot of playoff games at Lambeau lately. I no, mean, that's why have. he's only yeah. that's why he's only been to one. Right. And so it may be more of a uh, urban legend than reality. How about that? I mean, they lost last year at Lambeau when, when Tampa Bay got them, and and if they make it this year, they they of course it would be their third straight trip to the NFC Championship game after losing to the 49ers a couple of years ago, and then to Tampa Bay last year. It, it, I don't know. We'll see. I, it, it almost just feels like Aaron Rodgers is going to get this one and then tell the Packers, yeah, now I'm done. Trade me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's the plan regardless. Uh, and that's what gives it that, that little, bit of, uh, yeah. little bit of more intrigue than usual. Yeah, so before we continue our conversation, let's tell you about a couple of our wonderful sponsors. Of course, you know them well. Aaron and his crew, the best at what they do with HFX Foundation Solutions, a full-service foundation repair company servicing all of DFW. If you have noticed cracks, if you have noticed sticking doors or soil washout, you need to give them a call for your free, no-obligation inspection so that they can come out and make sure everything is okay with your home. 817-770-0174. It is HFX Foundation Solutions, A-rated with the Better Business Bureau. You can check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. And of course, keep in mind, this is one of those things, when you start noticing some of these signs, you want to give them a call. Have him come out for that free, no-obligation inspection just to make sure. If there's something wrong, he'll get you set up. They offer third-party financing. They'll be with you every step of the way. If there's nothing wrong, you can breathe easy, but you can make sure he's going to get you taken care of with HFX Foundation Solutions, 817-770-0174. Also, of course, the new online women's boutique, Kinley Rose. Have you checked out KinleyRose.com yet? It's K-I-N-L-E-Y Rose.com. You can find them on Instagram as well. I'd encourage you to follow them at Shop Kinley Rose. Focusing on attainable style without sacrificing comfort. This is something that'll make great gifts. Guys, I'm telling you, if you are looking for something, keep in mind Valentine's Day is one day from this or one month from right now. We're recording this on January 14th. Valentine's Day is one month away. They offer e-gift cards. What a great Valentine's Day gift that would make for your lady friend. Allow her to pick out a cute new outfit. Or ladies, for yourself. 
Go check it out. See the new online women's boutique. It's local, small business, so support them at kinleyrose.com. Again, that website, K-I-N-L-E-Y rose.com. And keep in mind, guys, ladies, whatever, if you use the promo code JAMSESSION10, Jam Session with the number 10, you get 10% off your very first order at kinleyrose.com. And here he is joining us once again, taking a look ahead to the wild card game and the wild card weekend coming up. Brought to you, as always, by Medea from Scratch and their three wonderful locations throughout the DFW area. The greatness of ESPN's NFL insider, Ed Werder. Ed, the Cowboys coming off. It's interesting because we look at the back part of their season like, man, you closed out with two games scoring over 50 points. Then you say, well, it was Washington and the backups of Philadelphia. How much do you put in what the Cowboys did and some of that momentum they got from Philadelphia as they roll into the wild card game? Yeah, I mean, I know that was, you know, Mike McCarthy's uh, game plan going into that final week of the season was to create some confidence in his team and uh, some momentum going into this playoff game. But I'm just not sure that they're really capable of doing that given the history of this team this season. I mean, uh, they're two previous high point totals were against Atlanta when they scored 43 and they went outside the division the next week and lost to the Chiefs. And before that, it was 56, remains 56 against Washington. And the next week they went outside the division and lost to Arizona. So I don't know. I guess they feel good about themselves, uh, whether there's any practical benefit from it when they play the 49ers on Sunday. Uh, I don't know. We just have seen that this team doesn't really execute on offense and score points against opponents it doesn't know very well, teams it doesn't play twice a year. Uh, so I think they've got a lot to prove in this game against the 49ers. No, I think it's a, I think it's a terrific matchup. Now, are you like uh, what seems to be the vast majority of the world that thinks it's a poor matchup uh, from a uh, you know tactical standpoint for the Cowboys? Well, I think it's a it's a if I was the Cowboys, I would rather have played uh, the 49ers, to be honest with you, than the Cardinals, despite what I just said about uh, opponent familiarity. They played Arizona a couple weeks ago, um, but they played Arizona and lost. And I think the thing that the Cowboys need is they need a team that will turn the football over. They're 1-3 this year. Um, in a year where they, Dan Quinn's defense led the NFL in takeaways, they're 1-3 where they don't create a turnover. And I think the 49ers are far more likely to turn the ball over with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo than the, uh, than, the, than the Cardinals are. I mean, the Cardinals played six road games this year without having a turnover. That ties the NFL record, including the game against Dallas. So for that reason, I think that, it was a poor, that would have been a poor matchup for the Cowboys. And for the fact that Garoppolo is not really a running quarterback, so I think the biggest advantage the Cowboys have in this playoff field in the NFC is they've got three great pass rushers who can make a difference in a game and take over a game. And I think that can happen against the 49ers more than it can happen against the Cardinals because of the unique mobility of Kyler Murray. When you look at what we have seen with some of the ways that the defenses have been playing Dak, especially and changing the look post snap yeah. after he has the read, how, how does Dallas try to counter that? Because we know San Francisco is going to do the same thing. How does Dallas put something in play to help Dak with that situation? Well, I think the thing that, that, that we saw him do against Philadelphia and that maybe they need to do more often is get Dak under center um, and use play action more and, recreate their identity, even though they've struggled to run the ball and, and 
teams don't generally run well against the 49ers. I think getting Dak under the center and creating the threat of the running game uh, will help him control what defenses show him uh, pre-snap uh, because he has admitted that that's an issue that he's had. Uh, it's something he sees opponents do more against him than they do against guys he studies on film or he sees on film while he's studying the upcoming opponent. So I think their running game is way better when they're under center than it is when they're at a shotgun. I think their shotgun run game is really poor, um, but under center they can run the ball more effectively, and I think they that can manipulate the defense better that way. Now the flip side is you think we'll see that <laughs> because I read something last week that said you know that their tendency is they run so much or they pass so much from these different formations that there's not really a lot of surprise as good as we think uh, Kellen Moore has been as an OC in a play call. Yeah, I just, I just think you know they need to execute, and you know we, we, we know Dak's you know capable of it, but um, I just don't, I just don't know why he's had so much trouble adjusting to and predicting what the defense is going to be, and he's got all kinds of weapons. And in in this particular game, quite honestly, the 49ers, uh, their biggest weakness is in the secondary, and uh, I think the Cowboys ought to be able to dominate. The 49ers in the passing game, I, and they've got they've gotten a lot of pass interference calls. They've given up a lot of plays, a lot of touchdowns in the secondary. They really have played a lot of different combinations of people back there. Uh, it looks like they're not going to play. I mean, last week they didn't play Josh Norman at a single defensive snap, and he was one of Kyle Shanahan's favorites for for much of the year, even though he endured a lot of criticism for the way he's playing. Uh, you know, they've been playing a rookie back there now, and so I think the Cowboys have big advantages. Uh, in their passing game um, as long as they can avoid turning the ball over and as long as they're aggressive with the passing game and, and try to establish it and kind of take the attitude that they did against the Eagles, which is there's no way you guys can win this matchup and stop us on a on a regular basis. We, we could dominate the game throwing the football if we want to. Dude, I think that's what they need to do too. But I think I think the way you do that is they run so much on early downs, you might need to switch it up and try to throw it on some early downs and loosen them up. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm sure at some point we, I mentioned this, but you know, when when they were six and one, so almost halfway through the season, they they led the NFL in average per carry on first down, and so they were creating very favorable situations for the passing game or their play caller on second and third down. Um, but that that faded as the season wore on, and as of a couple of weeks ago, they were like 27th in the NFL, and it's, it'd be shocking to me. If they went into the Philadelphia game, it's something you know any any better than thirtieth. That part of the game just totally went away. They couldn't they couldn't run the ball effectively on first down. So yeah, I think changing it up, you know, being less predictable, being more aggressive, and trying to take advantage of of what seems to be um, a big check mark in the win column for them, which is Dak against Dak and the receivers against the San Francisco secondary. Now that assumes you can protect the passer. Yeah. on a regular basis. That'll be the challenge in that part of the game. And obviously the other side of that, Ed, is what San Francisco likes to do on offense, tricking up the run game, doing it with two yeah. back looks at times. How does Dallas counter that with what they do defensively, knowing that San Francisco is going to have to establish the run? Well, San Francisco, almost without a doubt, will run the football. I mean, they ran the ball 500 times. Uh, you know, in terms of 50-50 splits, I think only – the Eagles run the ball more than they throw it by design. Well, San Francisco's kind of right there, too. Um, and they do it in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, and, and they do it in a way with Debo Samuel, who's maybe – he's kind of the Micah Parsons of offense in this game. And, and that's going to make it hard 
you know, for Dallas to match up um, Trayvon Diggs against – if they want Trayvon Diggs against Samuel in the passing game, that's going to be hard to do because of how often Samuel lines up in the backfield and runs – he had eight rushing touchdowns this year. Mm. Um, wow. and, and NFL, an NFL record for a wide receiver. He scored 15 – he counted for 15 touchdowns, one passing, uh, I think six, six as a receiver and eight as a rusher. And so I think the, the thing that 49ers try to do is, you know, they got great blocking, physical wide receivers. George Kittle is a great blocking tight end. And so they pitch the ball outside and try to make guys like Trayvon Diggs, who really aren't willing tacklers, come up and be physical and support in the run game. And so that I think they will try to attack Diggs and whether it's, you know, the undersized guys like George Lewis or Anthony Brown, they'll try to attack those guys in the running game or like quick screen game and make guys who are really not used to being physical and not used to being a major part of the running game play that kind of role. That's a, yeah, that's a really good point because uh, we've all seen the tape of uh, Trayvon Diggs at times is more than once being like, ah, I'm not really interested in that tackle. I'll go get you a pick. Yeah, he, right he, he, makes, but... he makes Deion Sanders look like Ray Nitschke sometimes. <laughs> 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 yes, I, I like that. Oh uh, no! That's, it's uh, what do you think about? I think the other matchup, man, and I and I'm not sure that I would have ever talked about this before, but Nick Bosa, Tyron Smith. What do you think about that matchup? Well, I mean, they're going to move Bosa around, um, and, uh, and I think Leo Collins is going to get a, a lot of hit too. Um, you know, obviously, they they were able even without Leo Collins early in the year, they were able to handle the other Joey Bosa from. Uh, the Chargers, but this guy's right. he's different. I mean, I think he's he's one of, I think only he and T.J. Watt um, had like more than 15 sacks and more than 20 tackles for a loss and more than 30 quarterback hits. So that's the kind of unique player we're talking about in terms of rushing the passer and creating havoc up front. And then, you know, then they have like Arden Key plays next to him, and he's become a very good pressure player as a defensive inside rusher. So they're going to have their hands full up front. And we know, you know, Tyron Smith isn't the player he used to be. And Leo Collins hasn't had a great year. And, you know, the, the Connor Williams and, and Tyler Biadash are, are kind of guys who could be beat. So that, to me, you're right. That's the challenge for, for this offense is can they pass protect? Can they create, uh, you know, some positive plays in the running game? Or are they going to be constantly getting beat, uh, you know, have the offensive, the offensive line lose the battle up front, and, and that will that would be a great difficulty for them to overcome if they can't handle that up front. So what's the expectation here, Ed? Do, do the Cowboys get this done on Sunday afternoon with an opportunity to advance? Yeah, I think I still think they're, they're the better team. Um, you know, the 49ers have played well down the stretch. They've gone 7-2. and two. Uh, They've beaten some good teams to get to the playoffs, you know, like the Rams last week in a, in a clutch situation for – Garoppolo, but yeah, I think everybody thinks the Cowboys, a Cowboys team that you know scored 500 points and led the NFL in, in offense, and a defense that's taken the football away from opponents more than any other team in the league. Yeah, playing at home. Uh, yeah, I think the Cowboys. I think it's reasonable to expect that the Cowboys win this game. And I, and I think yeah. that from talking to the players all week, that they would consider it a huge disappointment and a failure of their entire season. Uh, if they were to go out in the first round, yeah, uh, you know, I, and, and Jerry's Jerry's on the record as saying to him, it's kind of Super Bowl or bust, and 
you know, that, that makes puts them in with Green Bay, which has won 39 games over the last three years. And of the teams that have few, few teams that have done that, only the Packers to this point have not cashed it in with the Super Bowl. We know the Rams uh, have been very aggressive in acquiring um, veteran players, whether it's Ron Miller or it's, you know, it's the, it's the quarterback. It's, um, you know, he's got to still prove himself too. But those, I think those three teams are kind of Super Bowl or bust teams in the NFC this year. No, I think it's like that, man, and it, and it makes sense because uh, if you look at their health, they're basically yep. injury-free given, you know, the rigors of an NFL schedule. They're not missing any starters, I don't think. And so, you know, you got to, you're as healthy as you can reasonably expect. Right. you got a talented roster. It's time to go make it happen. Talented roster, a coach who was brought in here because of his Super Bowl history and his success uh, in the playoffs over a large number of years, a quarterback who's been – who's had playoff experience. I mean, he's one and two. You're playing at least one game at home. Uh, yeah, they have they have all the advantages and every reason to expect that they're going to succeed on Sunday. Now, they have to go do it. We, we've seen them lose at home to, to teams they were better than. They lost at home to the Raiders. They lost at home to Denver. They lost at home to, to uh, Arizona. Um, and so, you know, you can't say for sure that they have this enormous home field advantage that nobody can overcome. At one point, I thought that was true because of the way they scored at home and how comfortable they seemed at home. Uh, but they're not invincible at home, and anybody can beat them as good as they might be. When you look elsewhere around Wild Card Weekend, Jacques and I were talking about this. You look at all these home teams, and it's easy to run down and think all the home teams are going to win. But if there is a road team who is going to pull an upset this weekend here in the Wild Card, who do you think it would be? Well, you know, it's funny that, that you say that because if you look at recent history – um, road teams are 10 and four the last three wild card weekends mm. and they've had a winning record in three straight years four and two in 2020 three and one in 2019 three and one in 2018 so I don't based on that trend uh, nobody none of these teams that are playing at home really has um, such an enormous home field advantage that the opponent can't expect to win it except I would say maybe Kansas City because of uh, arrowhead and because I just don't think the Steelers are very good. Um, I guess if I had to, to pick a game, um, I would say that the um, we've already seen the Patriots win in Buffalo. And for whatever weird reason, Josh Allen has had some – Buffalo's quarterback had some great games and really meaningful victories against uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots. But all of those great performances have come on the road at Foxborough and not at home where – I guess tomorrow it could be, it's supposed to be somewhere around zero degrees or something when they play this game. So um, I would say the Patriots probably have um, the best chance, even though Belichick's never played a road wildcard game and he has a rookie quarterback at Mac Jones. All right. Ed Werder, as always, man, we appreciate it. Thanks for doing it here with us this morning. Thanks, Thanks for getting your power restored. We'll see if the Cowboys can restore <laughs> themselves to power and prominence on Sunday. Let's hope so. I'm hoping for it. Thanks a lot, Ed. <laughs> All right, see you. All right, there he is. That is Ed Werder, our ESPN NFL insider, again brought to you by Medea from Scratch. Of course, as always, there are three wonderful Dallas area locations in Grapevine, Flower Mound, and Plano, so check that out. We'll see how it turns out, but Ed seemed confident. We're somewhat confident, and I'm hoping, man, I'm, I'm hoping that on Sunday evening we're sitting down and talking about a Cowboys playoff win and taking a look ahead at what may be on the way for the Cowboys in the divisional round. Um, I think you I think you are, man. I think, um, again, I think sometimes you get so close that you, 
you can lose perspective because you see all the flaws because you see them all the time. Whereas um, you're not watching San Francisco and these other teams with the same intensity, so you don't see their flaws as well. And so I think the Cowboys have the better team, the better roster, the better quarterback, and uh, I think they'll make it happen. And with that, that'll wrap up this episode. Again, for many of you, sorry it dropped a little late, but everything's good. Ready to roll forth, and we will talk to you sometime after the Cowboys game on Sunday evening, and we'll see what kind of conversation that becomes. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.